Dr. Carl Haas was the popular host of nationally syndicated Adventures in Good Music. You can learn more about this series on our web blog, www.classicalmusic.network. And now, here is another episode of these radio broadcasts. Hello, everyone. You may recall that not long ago I brought you a program regarding the rondo form in music, the rondo in which there must be a recurrence of the main theme. In other words, the main theme has to occur at least three times, which made me compare the rondo to a club sandwich because the three layers of bread and the in-between parts are completely different. Maybe cheese, it may be ham, it may be whatever you like. So we did do a program entitled Club Sandwich. Well, it seemed to evoke a lot of appetite. <laughs> and so I thought we should do another one today and look at the rondo from a standpoint of a greater variety. So today's program is entitled Club Sandwich, Second Helping. Suppose you are a composer of sorts and you'd like to, pl uh, to write a rondo. What would you have to observe? First of all, you would have to have a sort of a refrain. You'd have to have a main theme which occurs three times, and each time you might call it a refrain, while in between these three layers of bread, if you will, there have to be completely different sections. So you might put it into letters and say your main theme is A, then comes something completely different, B, you return to A, then something else completely different, C, and you return to A again. A, B, A, C, A. That's a basic construction. That would mean that almost anything that is constructed that way could be called a rondo. Take, for instance, Für Elise by Beethoven, a very, very popular piano piece, which could, could be called a rondo, but Beethoven didn't. But as you listen to the construction... Here's the way it goes, and I'll call your attention to the various parts over the music. Here's the main theme, the bread. cheese. Different. We make our way back to the second layer of bread.
In effect, that's a rondo construction. The inner parts are different enough to call them, say, B and C, while the bread itself is always called A. A, B, A, C, A. Für Elise, a Beethoven. Now, the purists will argue with me and say that last part is a coda, as I mentioned. But it's different enough to be called a new part. Hence, it would fit the description of the rondo. All right, let's go to a rondo which is completely unknown now by a Norwegian master, one of Norway's greatest composers, who was born in the same town as Grieg, namely Bergen, some 56 years after Grieg was born, or I should say uh, almost 66 years. His name, Harald Severud. That's spelled S-E-A-V-E-R-U-D. Now, he wrote a piece which he calls... Rondo Amoroso, an amorous rondo. And you will tell also that this has a likeness with the inner parts, but those inner parts, which I call the stuffing of the sandwich, is different enough to make it a rondo. thicker than the bread itself.
That was a rondo, he called it Rondo Amoroso, by the Norwegian composer Harald Severit, and it was performed by the Swedish pianist Stig Rebing. I wanted you to listen to these two side by side, the very, very popular Furelise, which everyone knows, of Beethoven, and the unknown rondo by Severit, I dare say, but you could still tell the main structure, couldn't you? the main part coming at least three times while the in-between parts are of a completely different nature. Now, let me return to Beethoven for a moment, and let's share a piece which Beethoven himself called Rondo a Capriccio, a capricious rondo, which is subtitled Rage Over a Lost Penny. Now, there's a little story to that. If it, if it is true or not, I don't know. Beethoven's house was usually a mess. <laughs> Uh, he probably was one of the world's worst housekeepers, and outbursts of temper directed at his hired help assured that he would be frequently left to his own devices. And so the legend has grown up that this piece that we're going to hear is a humorous self-portrait of the composer grubbing about in the refuse on the floor, looking for a small coin he had dropped. And more likely, to Beethoven, it was a strictly controlled and formerly orthodox rondo. The capricious element provided not only by the humorous content of the music, but by the variations applied to the rondo each time it recurs. And so you're going to hear now not only changes in the substance, that is to say, the stuffings of the club sandwich, but the bread itself. All of this is represented here. And as you listen to Andre Watts, and The Rage Over the Lost Penny by Beethoven. Keep in mind not only the content, but keep in mind the overall form. And Beethoven doesn't allow the same thing to happen twice if he can help it.
But if you listen closely, you heard, indeed, the bread, the main part, come in three times. Only each time it was a little different. It was even in a different key at times. And it was approached differently with lots of ornaments and trills growing out of it. But the bread was there, only it was a different kind each time. It wasn't just three pieces of the same old bread. And the inner parts all present. In this Rondo a Capriccio by Beethoven, opus 129, subtitled Rage Over a Lost Penny, <laughs> performed by Andre Watts. Incidentally, this was composed during the same period as the sonatas of opus 10, even though at least one writer had guessed at the date as late as 1823. It could well have been a discarded sonata movement, perhaps even intended for one of the Opus 10 group. And the title, obviously not Beethoven's own. It was added at the time of publication in 1828, after the music had been found among Beethoven's papers a year after he had died. And the legend that I related might even fit. And this is a program coming back to the rondo form, which I somewhat facetiously call a club sandwich, because that's what it really is. It could be a double-decker. At times it could even be a triple-decker sandwich with different stuffings in between. That's really the main characteristic of the rondo, the occurrence of at least three times the same theme with different portions in between. Hence, since this is the second program on the subject, I call it Club Sandwich Second Helping. Lest you think that the rondos are, are uh, particularly limited to piano music, not at all. Let me bring you a departure here. We find it surely as the last movement of symphonies, we find it as the last movement of sonatas, but I have in mind now a concerto, and specifically the concerto number two in B minor, opus seven, by Niccolo Paganini. Now, this is subtitled La Campanella, because you hear the little bell in this last movement in the rondo, and you will recall that not too long ago we had the transcription by Franz Liszt of that movement, which he called La Campanella. But we're going to hear the original now, the violin concerto Paganini, and we, we're going to hear it performed by Salvatore Accardo, the Italian violinist, with a London Philharmonic conducted by Charles Dutois. This is the rondo movement of the second Paganini concerto, and I'll let you pick out yourself the main theme, the bread, and the inner portions, the stuffings, according to your own taste. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, surely you were able to tell the main theme, occurring at least three times, because it was always heralded by the bell, hence the word la campanella, the little bell. And this was the rondo movement, the third movement of the second violin concerto in B minor, opus 7 by Paganini, performed by Salvatore Accardo, and the London Philharmonic, conducted by Charles Dutrois. It's interesting how the main theme, and incidentally also the inner portions, changed from major to minor and back, as if to indicate that there was both sweet dough and sourdough in the bread, <laughs> if you will. It's an easy way to remember the rondo anyway by thinking of it as a club sandwich, a double-decker, at least that, sometimes a triple-decker. But now, let's turn to Mozart and one of my very favorite rondos, even though the Beethoven C major will always be way up with me, and uh, for more reasons than one. Let me just, this time, refer to the Mozart rondo in A minor, which is one of the most beautiful compositions ever performed, and with it goes a little personal story. We're going to hear a monaural recording. I hope you don't mind, because this was recorded exactly 40 years ago by Arthur Schnabel. And in my humble opinion, there's nobody ever who plays or played it like he did, as you will hear. And I had the privilege of studying it with him, couldn't play it the way he played it, and very often said to him, Mr. Schnabel, I never hear you play this in concert. He said, well, um, Hill Auditorium, in that beautiful auditorium at the, univers at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, there, during a recital, was the A minor rondo. And I couldn't wait to get backstage. I said, Mr. Schnabel, oh, this was wonderful. Finally, I heard you play it, and what an inspiration. He said, well, it's the first time I'm sort of halfway satisfied. About six months later, Mr. Schnabel had died took him a lifetime to play this piece, and today it's tossed off by anyone who has fingers to do it. Think about that one a little bit as you listen to the music. Arthur Schnabel and the Rondo in A minor, Kirchhoff 511 by Mozart.
I apologize for the surface. This was recorded, as I say, 40 years ago in monaural fashion, and I refuse to believe that everything that goes on the air has to be stereophonic. We would lose an awful lot. It simply hasn't been done stereophonically by Arthur Schnabel. This was the Rondo in A minor, Kirchhoff 511 by Mozart, and I didn't want to keep it from you just because of the uh, technical... uh, being behind over today's versions, so do forgive me. But you could see how Mozart accomplished here with a nobility of a basic form, the rondo form. We forget the form. Of course we are aware of the main theme coming three times. That's not the point any longer. It becomes a composition which is ennobled because of the genius of the composer, And in this instance, because of the uncompromising approach to its difficult architectural design and to the to the challenge of interpretation on the part of Arthur Schnabel. So the form of the rondo is basic enough. It's a club sandwich, all right. But what goes into it, that varies from one composer to another from one interpreter to another. It's an everlasting challenge, and what a joy it is to be aware of its construction as you listen in the future to rondos, whether they be part of an orchestral texture or whether they be individual pieces, as most of them today were, with the exception, so far, of the the last movement of the Paganini Violin Concerto. Club Sandwich, Second Helping. Well, for my last example, I would like to represent yet another kind. We already alluded to it, we touched on it in the last program on the Rondo form when we talked about the introduction and Rondo Capriccioso Sans-Sans. A Rondo can be a follow-up of a very, very beautiful introduction, and that's the case with the composition that we're going to hear now. Mendelssohn wrote for the piano a Rondo Capriccioso, it's opus 14, and he precedes the form with a very, very beautiful and melodious introduction. And this is yet another kind of incorporating a Rondo in a, in a sort of a larger concept than just the Rondo itself. We're going to hear this performed by Ilse von Alpenheim, the Rondo Capriccioso by Mendelssohn, Opus 14.
an introduction. You heard the Rondo Capriccioso, opus 14, by Mendelssohn. And incidentally, Mendelssohn wrote this during the year that Beethoven died. Mendelssohn himself was only 18 years of age. It was performed by Ilse von Alpenheim. The Rondo form, a very popular form in music, and as I mentioned before, the Rondo can be found as a separate independent piece, or just as often, as the last movement of a sonata, of a symphony, of a chamber music composition, and they, there are examples galore. I hope you'll have the time to peruse your own library, if you have it, of uh, records, of um, scores, to find additional examples. I would call your attention to some of the Mozart piano sonatas, some of the Mozart concertos, for instance, the last movement of the famous D minor concerto for piano, Kershaw 466, is a rondo, a beautiful rondo, as is, of course, the rondo of uh, some of the some of the music that we find by Schubert. Quite a few rondos here, and while there are deviations as far as the order the of keys are concerned the order of tonalities, the basic form remains, namely a, an appearance of at least three times of the main theme, which I call the bread in the sandwich, while the inner parts, the stuffings of the sandwich, are completely different thematic material. That's the main part to remember. But be that as it may, it's one of the most delightful and one of the most varied forms in the entire array of musical devices of musical composition. You've been listening to Adventures in Good Music with Dr. Carl Haas. You can learn more about this series from our web blog at www.classicalmusic.network And join us next week at the same time for another episode of Adventures in Good Music with Carl Haas.